Hello and welcome uh, to this podcast. Uh, all I know is your name, Asmuk Bhai. Uh, would you tell us something about yourself? Okay. So, I'm a scientist. I was abroad for 20 years and I worked on uh, emerging technology. So this specific video conferencing that we are doing, I have worked on the standards for this. Uh, I was not the creator of the standards, but I was a member of the body that defined the standards, which were accepted. Uh, I have worked in the world's first internet bank. Uh, I have worked on uh, video on demand, you know, that you see on your TV set-top box, uh, smart cards, uh, many of these things. Uh, while doing this, what I realized was the things that I was working on I took 10 years to get into a university, forget schools or anything. And it was all research-based. So I thought we should have our learning of children with the same thing, where they start with research and then end with facts. Unlike today, where you start with facts and then PhD is the last degree you do. Why not reverse the whole thing? Uh, so I got this idea and I was trying to, I've been working with children most of my life. Uh, so I had a workshop in 2014, January, and I shared this with the attendants there. Uh, there were 11 homeschooling children and their six moms. And they said, if you build something like this, then we also want to come and stay there. So that is how the idea came uh, of a learning community and a, a learning space. So that's what I'm right now in the midst of creating this uh, project. Okay. Uh, that's a beautiful thing and a, and a very brave thing to try. Uh, one uh, question that comes to me, uh, most of these kind of things, in fact, most of life, uh, as per my experience, begins with this kind of hypothesis that this might work this way. Uh, or else you pick up a certain standard that has been functioning in a certain manner that all of us accept. And then you try to turn it in a manner which you think is better or, uh, or might lead to something interesting. This sense of uh, curiosity, this sense of inquisitiveness, this, this sense of being very... Uh, comfortable with what is not known. Uh, is this what drives scientific temper? Is this what has driven your uh, attempt to try something like this? Or do you already have set, set patterns in your mind or how does this work? So uh, I love working with and I'm very comfortable with uncertainty. Sorry, with? And that is what I with uh, i'm very uncomfortable with uncertainty oh, okay <laughs> so yeah the only only thing certain in life is uncertainty yeah correct we don't know yeah. when we are going to die uh, we but we we continue and then we don't know what the outcome is going to be but nevertheless we don't stop planning uh, we plan and uh, sometimes things go as per plan sometimes they don't and with research, most of the time, uh, they don't. We have to be uh, very agile to work with the changing circumstances, correct? And get the best outcome. 
so in in life nothing is perfect at the same time we still strive for perfection so that that is the whole dilemma that is there and i am very comfortable with it and i want children to be comfortable with it i want everybody to be comfortable with it uh, because that is the reality of life that is how we evolve if things were perfect then there is no further revolution it's is the end perfection is the end uh imperfection uncertainty the possibility of improvement uh that is the challenge in life and that is the fun in life okay uh, what about the negative aspects of uh, fear and doubt when you are working with ideas that you are you still developing uh now you got i'll try and give it a put perspective that is running in my head right now you have a few uh, families a few children coming and working with you trying to figure out where you are going with this now all of them kind of depend on you because you put up something in motion now that pressure or the pressure of yes i got to deliver uh, even if you see it as a sense of service does that count any does it reflect on your methodology does it reflect on your making choices how does how do you factor that in okay so i have got five principles for this learning space i don't call them principles i call them guidelines yeah. because they are not cast in stone okay. they are very flexible but they are broad guidelines uh, like i say uh, you know people talk about why do you have these rules and all that they are not rules but at the same time uh, if anything is uh, flowing uh, if it does not have borders then it doesn't flow it just spreads correct like you are now having sipping chai or something like whatever you are sipping uh, if it was not in a cup huh yeah chai yeah if it, was, if it was not in a cup it would just flow all over the table and you wouldn't have anything correct yeah. so i have got these five guidelines uh, for the learning space uh, number 1 is don't do anything that will hurt you so in our learning space especially here i'm building this space so what i have got here at a place called sapna ranch is a lab this is a laboratory and in this lab uh, i'm actually implementing those principles so is learning by doing that's that's a very important aspect is not learning by talking uh, and all that or not learning by listening is learning by doing uh, which is the experience right uh, like yeah. one of my mentors used to say uh all learning comes from experience but not all experience ends up in learning it's quite deep <laughs> yeah yeah it's and it has stuck in my head so it's all about experiences uh so anyway let's go to those five guidelines the first guideline is don't do anything that will hurt you so respect yourself if you don't respect yourself that there is a fundamental thing you can't respect anybody else so in in our place here all my electrical points are 4 feet or higher which means that young kids cannot uh, put anything into that socket and then get electrocuted uh then fire we have a fire warden uh, water uh, again we want to make sure that if there is anybody there's a water body then there is some adult there with the child uh, and uh, fourth one is sharp objects so if there are children and they are playing with sharp objects and we want to make sure that they are responsible enough to know how to deal with them right so that is first is respect respect yourself again doesn't mean that you can go and jump off a cliff right if there is something like that then we will always keep some 
uh, safety measures there. Second is just because we give you freedom, uh, doesn't mean that uh, I can slap somebody else. No, you have to respect yourself, respect others. Uh, there is this school in England called Summerhill. I don't know whether you have heard about it. Uh, it's going to celebrate its uh, 100th anniversary soon. Uh, there was a guy by the name of A.S. Neal who started it. But anyway, I like their statement. Freedom is not a license. There is freedom. But it doesn't mean that you can do anything and everything. It's not a license. Correct? Uh, you have to earn your license. So respect yourself, respect others. The number three is, is the key thing, which I call forgiving design. Okay, And like I said, there is nothing per that is perfect. So uh, everybody makes mistakes. And the true learning comes from mistakes. Uh, there is a saying. And the saying is, uh, the one who does not make mistakes is taking instructions from somebody who does. <laughs> correct? Yeah, correct. So, no mistakes, no learning. And no today, learning. if you see today's environment, is punishing mistakes. That is the worst thing you can do in school. Kids are punished for solving the problem wrong. Look at it as another way of solving a problem. Because in life, there are so many right answers. I am really very displeased and, and pained by current learning uh, education system yeah. where yeah. they say you have multiple choice questions and there is only one right answer. That, that is the wrong thing to do. There are so many right answers, right? Yeah. Like uh, Jiddu Krishnamurti said, truth is a pathless land. There's not just one truth. There are so many truths and there yeah. are so many right answers. And we need to raise our children with that philosophy that there are no mistakes. There are only opportunities for learning. Yeah. Correct. So, so the tagline that for the environment that I'm creating is we give you opportunities to explore your curiosity. That is what the, the one line that talks about this space. Yeah. Correct. So forgiving design is, so if somebody makes mistakes here, uh, as I said, it's learning by doing. So I have, I have all the tools that people can use to uh, build things. And uh, they'll break a drill bit. I mean, it's not the end of the world. I do another drill bit. The drill bit cost me 20 rupees. Uh, yeah. Why should I scold you? Oh, you are not careful. And why did you break the drill bit? And then the person is scared. And then the person want, doesn't want to do because the person is scared that he will break another drill bit. It's not a big yeah. deal. Correct? Uh, and if mistakes are made, then you say, okay, you made a mistake. I make mistakes. Nobody's perfect. Uh, what can we learn from it? But most importantly, how can we fix it? So in this environment, we want kids to be problem solvers. There are problems. There are going to be problems till, uh, till the time that we know, till humanity exists, till nature exists, correct? There are going to be problems. Yeah. And, the pro and, the, and the issue is not the problem. The issue is the thought process behind it and then accepting it and correcting it, correct? So forgive, so as I said, respect yourself, uh, respect others, forgiving design. Uh, fourth is go with the flow, okay? Uh, and uh, you know, today everybody runs on deadlines and, and that's what it does, it kills you. So, so I say no, here we give everybody lifelines, correct? Uh, if I miss something, if I miss a time, like today's thing, uh, you were delayed by the rain and then you called me up and then you said, you know, or you send me a message that is going yeah. to be delayed. Fine. 
instead of a 7 we started 750 uh, it's not the end of the world okay number one uh, if this happens if, if there is a delay and you miss the time that was there uh, the sky is not going to fall off us the world is not going to come to an end we are going to live to see another day like today let's say for whatever reason something happened and i was not able to make it let's say i was ill and all that stuff uh, we were scheduled another day right it's, it's not there so uh, that principle is called go with the flow Okay. Right. Very, very important. So, and then the last one, you know, you spoke about is transition from fear to passion. To passion. To passion. Yes. Do what you love doing. Don't be scared at all. Don't be scared of failure. Don't be scared of uh, missing the timeline. Uh, but at the same time, like I said, it's a li- it's a freedom, but not a license. uh respect yourself respect others we can achieve anything and everything with just this five guidelines uh but we want to we have to move away from fear fear uh somebody sent me a poster recently uh and it it read uh people are uh trying to uh take care of disease out of fear that it will infect them not knowing that fear is the disease yes yes i felt very strongly about that uh, in the last two years a lot of people right. didn't get out of their homes uh, they refused to touch the elevator buttons and i was like hello <laughs> you are already <laughs> on the way to disaster you don't need a disaster anymore yeah 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 so i hope i answered your question is the fear there yeah. is no fear okay i uh, i find this very interesting uh, this this whole workshop is called the values workshop i was asked you are not holding any workshops you are not teaching anything i said i have nothing to teach i personally have learned that a lot of us may not speak very well but it does not mean that we are we have not resolved a lot of problems in our lives uh, i found that ordinary people uh, people like you who walked off the beaten path uh, lot of them have found their own way of negotiating life and they are happier compared to most people i see and they they figured out little things in their lives what was stopping that from happening and they've changed a bit of it and they have the same problems everybody has the same headaches and pain in the knee or a bad day a good mood all of these things are common to all of us and uh, luckily uh, you spoken of certain values or certain principles certain things that you uh, want everybody to adhere to because it's it respects yourself and respects others in every possible way uh, my understanding of what you were saying was that it is actually a one line principle that take care of your mind and your mind will take care of you uh, of sorts because you are you are using this tool called mind trying to give it a a uh, certain structure but still free flowing so that it can discover explore uh, which is what life is meant to be i think all other species are quite intelligent about it and it's only human beings who who i think trip on certain basic facts certain times so uh, have i understood it correctly or do you want to uh, say something on that uh, i would like to expand on it a bit okay okay uh, because mind is just one of the things there's emotions there's so many as i said uh, i like to do research all the time so right now my three topics of research 
our neuroplasticity, which believes that our brains are plastic. Okay, this is a very new science. Previously, uh, neuroscientists believed that our brains were hardwired and uh, they actually ostracized uh, people who said that our brains are plastic until a technology like fMRI, functional magnetic resonance imaging, and then PET technology, which uh, can pinpoint where the activity is happening in the brain. Uh, they realized that yes, our brains are plastic. Uh, for example, in a blind person, the visual cortex is used by the sense of hearing and a sense of touch. That's why a blind person has a keener sense of hearing and a keener sense of touch. But conventional neuroscience prior to this believed that no, in a blind person, the visual cortex is empty, which, which is now all dormant. So now people are realizing. So here, when you talk about the mind, uh, the, I, I have so I've done a lot of reading on this. So I will be quoting some of, some of the stuff from there. Uh, one of the books is uh, written by Jeffrey Schwartz, who's a neuroscientist, and it's titled "The Mind and the Brain." So he writes his his opening line in that is, uh, "What is mind?" He says, "Doesn't matter." Then the next line is. What is matter? Never mind. <laughs> right. So, so we are giving a lot of importance to the brain uh, and and uh, what it does. It's just one of the things. It is not everything. Okay. Yeah. It is not the be all and end all. So, and then there are emotions. Uh, so, anyway, that is neuroscience. Second is biomimicry. Okay. I'm a very strong believer that uh, nature has existed. Uh, billions of years before us, okay? And not because it's dumb. It is because it's, it's really intelligent. Trees, for example, uh, they are in their own place. Doesn't mean that we cut them and we think, you know, it's a stupid tree. No, the tree can do everything that we do and more without having to move, correct? And in fact, it is, now we know that it is the plants that is keeping us alive. If there are no plants, we wouldn't be alive, correct? And that is, that is for nothing. Like, I, I, as I said, I'm a scientist. We do a lot of research and everything. I just put a challenge, very simple challenge. Have we been able to mimic photosynthesis? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Despite our so much advance in technology and we have been touting and, you know, talking about this and that and the artificial intelligence and everything, we have not been able to mimic photosynthesis because if we were to mimic it, all the energy problems in this world would get solved. We would be turning carbon dioxide into oxygen and at the same time producing food. Very simple stuff. Okay, we have yet to get there. And nature has been there for billions of years. Yeah. Correct. So my whole premise here is biomimicry. Let's learn with nature. Okay. And the third one is quantum mechanics. That will answer the question that you said. Quantum mechanics is where spirituality and science meet. Okay. okay. So mind does uh, work with a lot of science. But my uh, spirituality is beyond that. Okay. And where spirituality and science meet is where quantum mechanics comes in. Okay. Uh, so I hope I have answered your question when you talked about the mind. So and I am enthralled by what you're speaking, but I have to continuously think of um, 
not necessarily, but because that's what is intriguing me. So uh, one little question that I want to ask you, uh, since you are a researcher, plus you are gathering knowledge, I want you to speak a little about how do you treat instinct? And okay. what is the role that it plays in this uh, exploratory uh, arena that you are trying to create for yourself and for others? So there are, I believe in the three I's, the, the alphabet I, the letter I. And they are uh, innate. You know, we are born with certain things. That is our innate ability. Then there is intuition. We are one of the few species that are the frontal lobe. That is where intuition yeah. comes from. Yeah. Correct? And then instinct. Instinct is where the spinal cord is. Okay? So even before reaching the brain, the spinal cord gives us the instinct. It, it has a reaction to it. So uh, instinct is there, but it is also learned. That's what neuroplasticity comes from. So we, as we keep on learning, the instinct also changes, correct? And yeah, it yeah. grows. It grows. Okay. So instinct is, nothing is static, correct? So other people say, oh, no, instinct is static. Now, uh, I just want to uh, divert a bit, but I think it's, it's going to be helpful. And want to delve into neuroplasticity because it will answer this question as well, okay? So what, what we know right now is that uh, the human uh, mother uh, has the narrowest pelvis and the narrowest bird canal and is on two feet compared to all other animals. Okay. All other animals are on four feet, correct? Uh, so I give an example. I like this example specifically because uh, a giraffe, hmm. okay, because giraffe is tall. The mother giraffe does not bend down when it is, when it is giving birth to that child. That baby giraffe falls from that height onto the ground. It survives that fall. As soon as it has fallen, the mother giraffe kicks the baby so that it has to start moving. Now, again, for the first feed, the mother giraffe does not sit on the ground. The mother giraffe is standing. The baby has to stand up and reach for the udders of the mother to have its first feed. And as soon as it has had its first feed, the baby giraffe has to run to protect itself from predators. That is the level of development of a baby giraffe's brain. Okay, And it's possible because the mother giraffe is on four feet, its pelvis is wider, and its birth canal is wider. Okay, If the same thing were happened to a human mother whose pelvis is narrower and the birth canal is narrower, it wouldn't come out. Okay, So a human baby is born with all the nerve cells it will need for its entire life, which is 200 billion. A human baby is born with 200 billion nerve cells, okay? But none of them, or there is very little, uh, what I would say, development in those nerve cells at birth. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah. So, so, so a human baby's uh, head is cartilage. It is not skull, it is not bone. Okay, yeah. so so that it, it can contract and come out from the mother's uh, womb. Uh, that is number one. And by the time, to, in today's world, by the time the child is 10, what they have done is when uh, people pass away, when babies pass away and all that stuff, 
they have uh, used people who have donated their brains. They have used those brains to find out how many nerve cells are there. That is how they know that at birth there are 200 uh, billion nerve cells, and they have found that at the age of 10, after the age of 10, only 100 billion remain. We lose 50 percent of the nerve cells because of lack of stimuli. Lack of okay so, stimuli, because you need to stimulate those nerve yeah. cells to get the experience. Okay, so, so anyway, I'll just expand on that uh, a little bit about the brain. Now the child is only born with two specific functions, developments in the brain, just two, which is to feed and to shit and piss. Input and output, that is it. Even yeah. the vision is blurred. Correct. Listening is blurred. It can just make the sound. Okay. Uh, please uh, bear with me. I have uh, I rescue dogs, so I have dogs, and I have one dog that just came in uh, yesterday. So there might be some sounds from them. I don't leash my dogs. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the the uh, human baby is born with that. Correct. Two hundred billion nerve cells, and over a period of time, we lose them. So that is what has triggered me to create this environment. In this environment, uh, we don't tell children what to do. We don't develop a curriculum for the child. The child tells us what it wants to learn, what it wants to explore. Okay, it, It's curiosity. And our job is to not give them answers. Our job is to guide them to the answer. Correct? Give them the tools to find the answer themselves. Uh, so we talk about self-sufficiency. Uh, this learning environment is going to be for children from the age group of 4 to 16. And my hope is that by the age of 16, with all these tools, the child will become self-sufficient in learning. Then we talk about self-sufficiency in having your own food. If you are self-sufficient in learning, you can learn anything and everything in this world. Because you are self-sufficient. You know how to go about. Correct? Now, anyway, coming back to the, the brain and the stimuli. Uh, when we do all this, the human brain needs those experiences. Correct? So uh, when I spoke about the, the spinal cord, because it's plastic, some things that were not instinct previously will develop into instinct or, or a period of time. Correct? So nowadays, uh, if one person is a doctor, then the person is doctor for the rest of his life. <laughs> which is ridiculous. I mean, uh, things change, there are developments and so on, and the doctor, in, in, a re, in a realistic scenario, the doctor should be expected to keep updated on the new developments. It may or may not happen. Correct? So, uh, we, we have to respect the process in which knowledge and wisdom uh, happen. And that is through a continuous process of learning, continuous process of doing and learning. And that's where you know, spoke about instinct. The, the instinct changes from, from time to time. Okay. Uh, one question that is running in my head uh, as of right now. If one were to, uh, you, let's, let's get very practical. You said, uh, doctors in today's world or or any kind of professional for that matter. I'm a 
I am an advertising writer. Uh, around eight, ten years back, I started writing for events when I had never done so speeches and stuff like that. Uh, in fact, I remember the interview. I said I have never done whatever you are asking me to. They said yes, you are perfect. <laughs> I, was, I was actually taken aback, but uh, situation was such that I went with the flow. I was being paid well. Uh, I was willing to learn, and very often I found myself asking questions that I had asked in the beginning of my advertising career, which is around twenty-five years back. But I was okay. I said I don't know this, or till date. Uh, uh, there are times like there is this con concepts and themes for events which I still don't understand. Although I keep cracking stuff like that for ads and other kinds of communication, but I found that I haven't really understood. But they've been very patient, and I have also been very patient with myself not learning it. There are uh, you also have obstacles in your own mind about maybe I don't understand this, uh, maybe I don't know how to deal with this but you keep working you keep working you keep trying certain things i write well sometimes when i don't have the concept i write a lot to understand what is what is it that i'm trying to say so uh, as a writer very often i found that language is an expression it's not an end in itself and unfortunately because it comes in a sort of complete form like I'm talking to you, I'm using words which mean something. I am trying to communicate something. You are trying to comprehend something out of that. We are trying to see whether we both think the same thing about those words, uh, the context, the, the usage of how I string them. But yet that is not the meaning. And it is... Sometimes it's not understood by a lot of people where uh, where the final product seems to matter a lot. But actually, when you give me any any job to do, in spite of the fact that it is as uh, I'm calling it banal just for the for the usage because it's it's a very practical job in today's world. There's no there is no great things you're trying. You're just trying to sell. That's how we put it in our own minds. If I have to sell you this glass of water then how do I sell it? Those are the kind of uh, things that we talk about. But actually what happens in my head is if I have to sell you something, so what is it that you are looking for? I start looking for human connects. I start looking at different things that trigger different emotions in you. I start looking for how do you rationally look at the proposal that I'm making. I Most of the time I'm not thinking the product only. And then I come to the point where, the, okay, this is the product and this is what I'm trying to say. Sometimes it is not even, uh, I don't even reveal this to myself. I keep saying the same thing that others are telling me, that you are just selling the product. But this is a process that you one has honed after a lot of working. Because you are a human being, there is, a, there is something ticking inside. If I only stress about the deadlines, I used to have this favorite line. It is called a deadline because you are dead by the time you reach that line. <laughs> so things like those that you're stressed about certain things or you're stressed about delivering oh I am so experienced I need to give the answer correctly but all of those things still don't work you may force yourself to think that you are disciplined you're disciplined in a way that the world wants you to be but a creative process or an instinctual process I didn't know a lot of things that you said because I always thought okay gut feel because I also felt given one was stressed 
one felt a certain pressure in the somewhere near the kidney or the bladder area or you felt a little stretched and certain times when you were free you thought that idea much more easily but today i i just want to go back and figure out uh, what is this guy saying what does the spinal cord have to do with this thing and it is it's like a, the kid in me is like gleeful oh i i got to know a new thing and that is enough i don't earlier it used to be that how will i use it to impress other people <laughs> i don't know whether that works with scientists <laughs> but it definitely works <laughs> with advertising people you want to go to a party or your earlier when one was partying a lot more and going with to other intelligent people you wanted to come across as look i am as intelligent i know something that you don't now none of that matters it's just knowledge for knowledge's sake and you realize though it's so beautiful there is no pressure there is no need to conform a certain image that people might have of me so my i want to now come back to what you've been talking uh, one of the things that is running in my head bunty what is this happening this seems like a lovely scientific lecture what are what is my audience going to say and i'm already running uh, oh these are things that i would want to talk about okay, when you watch this this is what you get but what you, when you watch this you are actually interacting with knowledge is just a podcast is just two people talking but what has come up today is so uh, so nascent so unplanned although all the podcasts are unplanned for me but i have no clue what the next question is so sometimes while i'm talking to you i find the question as we go along now my question to you as a researcher how does one develop this mindset of being comfortable with the unknown because the known has its comfort you you know okay i am having chai it's in a mug and somebody has already decided for me uh, i don't know if you read and rand uh, the fountain lot of it all our books ha ah. in my 20s yeah uh, same here around 15 20 years back so the one thing i developed when i read it was every time i put on the electric switch i said that this doesn't give me a shock i need to thank someone i don't know who so there was reverence for that knowledge not necessarily the person and not necessarily that process that she talks about i think i outgrew it took me 10 years to outgrow her she was just the biggest influence when i was young 